This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Mark 7. This is where we're going to be flying through this. Mark chapter 7. We've been in here for months, and we're in chapter 7. We've got a little bit of a ways to go here. Um, about 15 years ago, I, uh, I, I had this pain in my stomach. I couldn't figure out what it was. Now, I have a fear of throwing up. I don't like it. All right, some people have a fear of heights. Some people have a fear of snakes. I have a fear of throwing up. I have this, like, it's like a thing. I don't, I don't like it. Um, if I talk to somebody over the phone, then they're like, I'm throwing up all day. I think, can I... I get this from the phone? I don't know. It's like it's going to travel through me, this like irrational fear. I also don't love the hospital, and so I didn't want to go to the hospital. I didn't want to throw up, and so for 48 hours, I just dealt with it until Tiffany said, I'm taking you to the emergency room. And so I went to the emergency room, and I had to get my appendix out. So it was, an, it was appendicitis, um, and what they told me was, because I thought, well, can I ride it out? Do I need surgery? I don't want to do that. Apparently, you can't. Apparently, you need to have surgery on your appendix. Because what they said was, um, if you don't have surgery on this and get it removed, it will kill you from the inside out. The, your appendix can burst, and it can, it can actually kill you from the inside out. Now, I didn't know that. I had no idea that there was something that could kill me like that from the inside out. Um, until somebody told me. Somebody had to tell me, this will, this will take you out from the inside out. Which seems self-explanatory, but for me, I was a little slow, so I, I didn't get it. Now I understand that my appendix is out. Um, here's the thing for us, Christian person, if you're not a Christian, we have something inside of us that will kill us from the inside out. Sin, which is this... Uh, part of us that, that separates us from the Lord. It's all of the things that are inside of us that cause us to want to go our own way, to do what God doesn't want us to do, uh, that, that pushes us away from his commands, that tells us inside he doesn't love you. If we go back to the, the Garden of Eden, he doesn't love you. There's, there's better things. We make our own rules. We do our own thing. This, this all stems from this thing inside of us called sin, and it bubbles out of our hearts. Our hearts crave something naturally outside of what God has for us. This is going to kill us from the inside out. We need a fix because the problem is, is, that, is that what we worship as people flows out of our hearts. What is in our hearts is what, what we love and what we crave and what we desire. That comes from inside of us, and it comes out of us in the form of worship. Sometimes we worship ourselves. Sometimes we worship sinful things. Sometimes, for those of us that have put our trust in Jesus, we worship the God of creation and the one who saved us from our sins. That is a heart change. We all need this in us. And Jesus is going to actually... In this, in this text that we have this morning, as he is interacting with the Pharisees, he's going to help point this out. Now, the text, when I'm going to read it, you're going to think, is that what's really saying? And I'm going to show you that it is what he's saying. Uh, he's using a negative example. We're going to use it from the positive because the positive is this. From your heart, you will worship. What is in your heart, what, is, what you desire in your heart is what you will worship. It's what comes out of us. 
And Jesus is dealing with this issue because the Pharisees, to uh, the disciples, are questioning their commitment to the Lord. They're questioning their worship because they're not doing traditions and ceremonies. They're not doing the things that the elders said to do. They're not following these rules and these forms. And the Pharisees are saying, I'm not really sure that they're committed to the Lord. And Jesus is going to say, I think you're wrong. He says it better than that. But that's pretty much what he says. Um, You're wrong. And he's going to show us why. It's because it's not from the outside that worship really flows. It's not from the outside that, that things come out that we so desire and crave that defile us from the outside. It's actually from the inside out. And we want to make sure that we, we understand this. I'm going to read the text and then I'm going to li- uh, break it down quickly, figure out how we can live it out. The question is, how do we address this and, sh- and ensure that we're worshiping Jesus and not something else? How do we, how do we walk that out? How do we make sure that we're, we're doing that? So, we're going to read Mark chapter 7. We're going to begin in verse 1. We're going to go all the way through verse 23. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. Remember, uh, the big idea this morning is from your heart you will worship. And here's, uh, here's the scriptures from Mark. The Pharisees and some of the scribes, and what he means by that is, is there are these Pharisees who had come from Jerusalem, the ones that he knew locally, and then these scribes, these other Pharisees, the, the scribes who are still Pharisees, Some came from Jerusalem. The ones that are around where he was, they knew, and now there's new ones coming in and asking lots of questions. They're trying to figure out what's going on with him. They observed that some of his disciples were eating bread with unclean, and Mark helps us here, that is unwashed hands. So they weren't washing their hands before they ate. And then here, Mark's helping us, uh, not Jewish people, he's helping the Gentiles, which is us that didn't understand the traditions. He's given us a parenthetical um, understanding. He says, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, keeping the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have washed. And there are many other customs they have received and keep, like the washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, and dining couches. He's, he's trying to help us understand these are things that the, the Pharisees and the elders have put into place these traditions and ceremonies to be ceremonially or uh, traditionally clean, to have something you, you have to do this if you're in this culture. Is it a very important part of what they did? To be clean, you had to wash your hands. And Mark kind of goes out of his way, doesn't he, to show that this is just a tradition. This isn't, this isn't like all that important. They're seeing it as that important, but really in the crux of things, it's not. And he's trying to help us understand this. And they have lots of other things that they do like this traditionally and ceremonially to be clean. Verse 5, so the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders? Instead of eating bread with ceremonially unclean hands. In other words, hey, how come your guys here are claiming to be godly guys and they're just ignoring all the tradition of the elders? They're not even clean in their hands. They're just unclean guys. The question under the question is, how come they're not really godly? Do they not? They don't, they don't like the Lord. They don't like God. They're not worshipers of Him. They're, they're just doing their own thing. It seems like They're questioning their commitment to the Lord because they're not keeping these traditions. And Jesus answered them, verse 6, 
Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites. Just a way, it's just a way really to endear yourself to people, isn't it? So Jesus just has a way to, to really just make friends like with some of these people. Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites. As it is written, the people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. So he's quoting this from Isaiah, that this idea that Isaiah brings about that, hey, there's these people, the, the people of God here, they, they give you lip service to worship. It's a lip service issue. Their hearts, though, are far from him. It's all about, it's all about what they say. It's not about what they do. And then he adds to this, and he says, abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human tradition. He also said to them, you have a fine way of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. This is in the law. This is one of the commandments. This is from, from the scriptures, their own scriptures that they would believe. And then Jesus catches them in their hypocrisy. He says, but you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is Corbin, that is an offering devoted to God. So people can say, here's what he means. People can say, um, hey, if you devote something to the Lord, you say, I consecrate this to the Lord, I consecrate this one thing to God, then it's untouchable. Nobody can touch it because it's God's thing. And so people here, they, were, they had this like loophole where they would say, hey, the inheritance that you can spend to give and care for your mom and dad Instead, you could just say it's consecrated to the Lord and that they can't touch it. That's still yours. And so people were ignoring the command here based on the elders and the customs, ignoring the command to keep and hoard the money for themselves instead of honoring their father and mother. And Jesus says, nonsense. This is, this is honoring me with your lips. You no longer let him do anything for his father and mother, he says. In verse 13, you nullify, now listen, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many other similar things. Is that an indictment or what? Somebody in the crowd, again, he said to them, listen to me, all of you, and understand, nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. When he went to the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, are you also lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing goes into a person from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and is eliminated. Thus, he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of people's hearts, Come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. And Jesus is not giving a comprehensive list. He's not saying, and that's it. Those are all the things that defile him. No, he's giving like, a, he's trying to get as many things as he can. And also he'd probably say, and any other thing that defiles us. Any other sinful thing that comes out of us is what defiles us. Jesus has been dealing here with, uh, we've talked about this, insiders and outsiders. 
This idea that some people are in the inside, they understand and want to worship him, and some people are on the outside and they don't get it. And the disciples, the last couple weeks, including here, are showing themselves in some ways to be on the outside. They don't understand what's going on. They're not grasping what's happening. And Jesus is like, you still don't understand? And notice his patience with them. He doesn't say, well, therefore, get out of here. But he says, no, um, let me help you understand. Which is, which is just as a side note, uh, what Jesus does with us, doesn't he? So often as we go, I don't think I understand. He doesn't go, get out. He goes, let me, let me help you. Let me be patient with you. Let me walk this out with you. But here we have this interaction with the Pharisees. We're going to see two things. First thing is we see uh, Pharisees in misplaced worship. This idea of the Pharisees and their misplaced worship. Like I said, there was no washing of hands. This was a ceremonially cleansing thing to do. They felt like this is the thing that was a must. It had to happen. This was a ceremony. This was a form. This was a a tradition. And Jesus looks at what they're asking to do and he relates it to worship. Notice what he says when he quotes Isaiah here. Isaiah 29.13 is what he's quoting. This people, they honor me with their lips. He's talking about the Pharisees. But their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain. Teaching his doctrine, human commands. This is a worship issue for Jesus. You, you guys say that you are you're worshiping me, but you're doing so through all these traditions and forms. And if people don't follow your traditions and your forms, well, then you say that they're out. They're not God followers. What I say is that it's not about what they say or how many traditions they have. It's a heart issue. It's an issue of a heart, not a stomach. You're talking about the stomach as if the stomach somehow defiles you. Somehow food that you eat with unwashed hands or any kind of food that you may put into your body is defiling. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not true. That is a tradition. And he points out, like I said a second ago, that you even say, you take the fifth commandment and you nullify that by your tradition. You're taking what I commanded you to do and you're, you're finding a loophole out of it through your tradition. You know why? Because your hearts are far from me. You don't care what I say as God. You don't care. What you want is what you want. What you want is what you think is best. What you want, Pharisees, is the power from declaring things about, about yourself so that people have to listen to you and do what you do. This is what you care about. You don't care about me. He's relating this, uh, uh, this Isaiah passage to them, teaching as doctrines human commands. And Jesus says, no. This is not worship. Worship is not about the form of worship. Worship is about the heart of worship. It's about what's inside that defiles. It's not what's outside that defiles. It's not man-made tradition. Man-made tradition can ignore everything God says. Worshiping the Lord is about what God says and, and who He wants us to be and how we view Him from the Scriptures and how we see Him going about all these things. And then Jesus, as he leaves them, he begins talking with the people. And I want you to see what he says here in verse 14. He says, listen to me, all of you, and understand, nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. 
Jesus takes the Pharisees' misplaced worship and he, he comes along and talks about what, what it means to have properly placed worship, which is our second point, Jesus in properly placed worship. Jesus addresses the heart. Now, we have, we have to understand what the heart means in this culture. I have a quote here from uh, R.T. France. I don't have it on the screen for you, but just listen. I want you to listen because I couldn't improve upon this without just absolutely stealing it. So I figured I would just read it to you. <laughs> what he says, this is helpful in terms of how we should view the heart in this passage. It says, in English, heart tends to mean emotion. So when we think about the heart, we think emotion. But in both Hebrew and Greek, it refers to what makes people what they really are, their individuality, both spiritually and intellectually. The heart is the very being of the person, spiritually and intellectually. It's who they are. It's their will. It's everything about them. It's not just simply emotion. It's who they are. So it is, he goes on, so it is with the heart that a person relates to God. So it's the heart where we relate to God, according to the Greek and Hebrew literature and understanding. The heart is what relates to God. So any stated relationship with God which bypasses the heart is a mockery of worship. Anything that bypasses the heart, hey, look, ignore the command. Don't worry about what God says. You can declare it Corbin and get away with it. And Jesus says, that is not the heart of the commandment. Actually, it has nothing to do with me. Then he continues, it is then the heart, in this sense, which Jesus declares to be unaffected by what comes in from outside. That heart, the, the outside, the food coming into your body from the outside, it bypasses the heart. It doesn't even touch it. It goes through the digestive tract, into the stomach, through the intestines, and it goes out, he says. It's eliminated. The word there is in the, it's like in the latrine, it's a hard word to say, the toilet. He's saying, look, this, it just goes away. It has nothing to do with the heart. It doesn't even touch it. Food is of merely nutritional significance and has itself no bearing on a person's relationship with God. This is Jesus' point. The, the, the stomach, the mouth, things that go into us, it bypasses the very point of worship. There, there's nothing that touches it that has to do with worship. Worship is from this heart place this very spiritual place that relates to God. This is the heart of worship. It comes from inside of us. The stomach never comes into contact with this. As a matter of fact, he's saying that, that, that through the stomach, it produces waste. He's saying the heart also produces waste. The heart also has this issue of waste, and he gives this long list at the end of all of the waste that comes from the heart. Evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All of these things come from within, he says, and that defiles the person. The defiling actually, really, to the Pharisees, he's saying, you're already defiled. You don't think you are because you're talking about cleaning hands. You need a clean heart. You don't need to clean your hands. You need to clean your hearts. If you really want to be ceremonially cleaned, it has nothing to do with washing your hands. It's washing your hearts is what Jesus is trying to get at with them. You have to understand it's a heart cleansing. It's not a hand cleansing. Hand cleansing does nothing. It's heart cleansing. And this really comes from the sin 
that we have in us, this sin that permeates our hearts. What Jesus is getting at is that the, the very issue that they, needed to, that they needed to address was something that they were just absolutely ignoring because they didn't care about it at all. They didn't care about the worship that comes from the heart. They cared about the worship that came through their forms and their traditions. Somehow assuming that if the disciples would just wash their hands, they'd be clean. And Jesus is saying, no, the disciples are clean. You know why? The disciples are clean. They don't wash their hands. But you know what they've done? They've done something you haven't done. They've come as close to me as possible. They listen to me. And they follow me. You want cleansing? It has nothing to do with your hands or your forms of worship. It has everything to do with how your heart is. Because we will worship whatever our hearts desire. The, the worship is going to come from our hearts. Some of us like to worship ourselves. You might think, well, you know, I'm just trying to take care of myself. I was like, yeah, that's fine. But if the only thing you ever think about and the only thing you ever care about and the only thing you ever dream about is you, then maybe one of the things your heart's worshiping isn't Jesus, but it's you. And we live in this weird world because there's so many things vying for our affections and our attentions, even, even as Christians, in our hearts that there's pieces of our hearts that can even pull back to the old ways. All of these things, sexual immorality and thefts and murder. And you say, I've never murdered anybody. And you say, well, well Jesus is going to say that if you have anger towards somebody, that's like murdering somebody in your heart. So I've never committed adultery. Yeah, but if you, if you lust after somebody, it's like committing adultery in your heart. Because our hearts are just filled with these, this desire to do all of these things and what we need to do is have a clean heart. We don't worship Him in form. We worship Him from the inside out. The inside out, it can defile us. And also, it's from the inside out that genuine worship happens. We, we, are, um, we are a people, Christian who live in a weird place because we still live with a heart that is tempted to run after other things, if you're like me, I'm assuming you are, and yet has been cleaned by the blood of Jesus. You see, we, we, talk, about, we talk about a clean heart. Well, if you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, your heart has been cleaned by him. I mean, this whole ministry and mission that he is on is to march toward a moment where he would nail your sin to the cross, conquering it, rising from the dead, proving that it worked and that you've been made right with the Lord if you trust in him. And so we as Christians can look at it and say, I have been cleaned by the blood of Jesus. There's a period after that. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. And this is good news for us, right? We have this understanding that we are cleaned by the blood of Christ. And along with that, we still fight daily indwelling the sin that's in our hearts, this pull towards other things. <coughs> and we need, to, we need to understand that we live in this weird in-between world where sin is pulling at us, and yet we're cleaned by the blood of Jesus. Your hope is in heaven, Peter says. It's undefiled. It's kept in heaven for you. It will not go away. 
And this is the joy of knowing Jesus. It's the joy of being a Christian. And yet we still, as we worship, we could be tempted to worship him and other things. And the, the life of the Christian is one where we say, I want to work tomorrow in my life in gratefulness and thanksgiving for what Jesus has done by the Spirit in me to look more like him tomorrow than I do today. I want my heart to be fully immersed with the worship of him tomorrow more so than today. And in the moments where we find ourselves being pulled back to the things of old, where we, we are tempted to worship forms, where we're tempted to have uh, these, these sins bubble out of us, we need to be reminded again by each other and by the scriptures and by the worship that we sing and by the power of the, resurrec- uh, the resurrection, the spirit of God that we have in us, the resurrection power, that we, we have been saved by grace and we, can, we, can find, um, we do find forgiveness and there is no shame or guilt for us. This is the, this is the joy of the gospel in us. And we need to make sure that we get, though, that our hearts still are pulled to other things. When we read Revelation where it says that there will be no more tears or pain or crying or sin anymore, that is not meant to be like, oh, that's cool. That's meant to be the sin that is in us, the sin that has broken the world is taken care of fully. There will be no more temptation to other things, which is why in those days, faith will be no more. We don't have to have faith anymore. Because we'll see him face to face. This is, this is knowing Jesus. And maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're like, I don't, I've never really put my faith in Jesus. And maybe I did a long time ago, but I don't know if I believe it. Let me say this. I'm glad you're here. First of all, thank you for being here. I, I love the fact that you're here. I hope that you come back and I hope that you continue to come back. We love the fact that you are with us this morning, worshiping with us. Let me also say that this sin, all of this that comes outside of the heart is defiling for you. You can't do enough to to pull it out of you. What Jesus is talking about is everything bubbles up from inside and comes out of your heart and you will worship what is in there. And what you need is you need somebody to come along and say, hey, you want me to remove that from you? You want, me to, you want me to forgive you of all of that? Because I can make you clean. All of the things that you think about in your life is like, oh man, what's life about? I don't know what it's about. You go to bed at night and you think about all the things that you're doing or have done and you're feeling all this guilt and shame in your life. Look, the blood of Christ can cover all of that. You can't out his goodness and grace. You can't out his cleansing. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, let me just say that, that it is through his blood that cleanses. It's not about a form or a ritual. It's not about how many times you enter the church building and sing songs. That will not save you. It's not about how much money you're giving to the church. That won't save you. It's not about the political party that you follow. That won't save you. Those are forms. We, we look at those and we go, this must save me because I am X, Y, and Z. How good of a person I am. I help old ladies across the street. Um, I never push them down. You know, I do all this kind of stuff to be a good person. I like all this stuff. I say, that's great. doesn't save you. It doesn't make you clean. Because what makes you defiled isn't from the outside, it's from the inside. What you need, if you're not a Christian, is you need the blood of Jesus, which will cover you, it says, death on a cross, which will cover you and forgive you of your sins. And Christian, we've experienced this, and now we need to live it out, to trust it, and to walk it out, and to believe that the, the, the grace that forgave us of our sins and cleansed us um, is better than anything else that this world has to offer.
Because, man, this world is tempting, isn't it? It pulls at us. But don't believe the people that say, if you vote this way, you're not a Christian, or if you vote this way, you are a Christian, or if you uh, do these things, you will be saved, or if you find this, you will be saved, or if you just, you know, if you pray a certain way, you will be saved, or if you have smoke machines on the stage, you will be saved, or if you don't have smoke machines on the stage, you uh, won't be saved, or whatever they might say about a form. It has everything to do with your heart. Because Jesus doesn't want your form, Jesus wants your heart. We think, well, how, well then my life doesn't matter, I can just do whatever I want. And I'd say, no, go back to last week's message. Because you've been saved by grace, and now the job of the Christian is to look like your namesake. Look like Christ. Be like Him. Not to save yourself from something, but because you're so grateful that God did something in you, that you want to honor Him. I don't, I don't go around looking for a second wife because I love my wife. I'm not trying to go and find somebody else to, you know, to live with and to divorce. You know why? Because I honor her. I love her. I, I want my life to be lived as if we're married and I want to honor who she is. It's not just because I have to, it's because I want to, because I love her. And so it is with us and the Lord. We, we live our lives as Christians, not just because I guess I have to, but because, no, I love, I love him. He saved me from the inside out. He wants my heart, and we, we live our lives for him, looking like him as often as we can. And the question is, how do we address this and ensure that we're worshiping Jesus? Let me give you two ways. Two ways, live it out points. Then we're going to be done. The first way is this. Ask a question. Ask, what does my heart worship? Now, now, we as Christians have been cleansed and forgiven of our sins. But like I said, there are times where we, we can try and smuggle in some of our old selves into us. I think it's important for us to ask, hey, what, what is my heart worshiping? Is it him? Is it him or is it a form? Is it him or is it something else? Is it him or is it me? What am I worshiping? Where am I worshiping other things? Because Christian, we don't want to be worshiping other things. We worship the king. It's not about the things we worship. It's about the king we worship. And we want to worship him. Where, where am I worshiping? We want, to be, um, we want to be a joyfully generous group of people. It's one of our values. We have four values. Purposely biblical. Meaning we don't just want to be biblical, we want to be purposely biblical. Okay, how do we take the Bible and apply it and live, live it out? What does that look like? We want to be purposely biblical. We want to be uh, joyfully generous, which is this one. We want to be, uh, we want to be um, relentlessly outward and passionately one. It's our four values. It's the heartbeat of who we want to be as we grow. Joyfully generous to give of ourselves, not just our money. It's not just about money. It's about time and it's about energy and hospitality and who we are to people. It's, it's joyful generosity because we will give time to what we worship. We will give time to what we worship. You will give time to what you worship. So the question is, what are you spending the most time on? You think it's my job. And I say, okay, yeah, you got to make money. That's okay. But some of you spend 
enough time on your job so that you ignore your family? And I'd say, well, 80 hours a week, maybe we should rethink this. Because we want to we live according to the scriptures. Maybe you're worshiping your job. Maybe you're worshiping money. Maybe you're worshiping your vacations. Maybe you wor- you're worshiping um, the kind of car that you, you want. Maybe you're single and you just can't find a spouse and you're worshiping the idea of a spouse above recognizing that there is no greater, uh, there is no greater spouse in some ways than the, than the king. Is your, is your life given to him first. Where are we worshiping other things? Where are you worshiping other things? It's a good question to ask. Maybe spend some time asking it. And then, as you do that, number two, set aside time for Psalm 51, 10, and 12 prayers. Set aside intentional time for Psalm 51, 10, and 12. And this is what Psalm 51, 10, and 12 says. It says, create, God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Set aside time for these prayers. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Do it in me continually. Move in me this way. Change me. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. I want to be steadfast in my love and my affections for you and my worship of you. Some of, some of us need verse 12 I want, a re- I want a renewed and restored joy of my salvation. What, is it, what does it mean for me to be saved? If we just think, well, well my salvation is just like, oh, yeah. yeah, God did something in me. Cool. Like, if that's your response, pray Psalm 12. Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I want to remember the joy of what it was like for you to save me from myself, from my sins, from all of that inside and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit to follow you and to know you. As we evaluate our hearts, where am I worshiping? Pray these prayers. Trusting that as we pray the scriptures back to the Lord that the spirit of God will work in us and change us, move us and, and, and do something in us. Because we don't want to be a people that are just reading our Bibles and going, nice, close it and move on. We want to be the peoples that read our Bibles and go, what, what is this saying? We want to be purposely biblical. What is this saying? And how do, I, how do I live this out? And what does it look like for me? Listen, your heart is, is, what, is, what, uh, is what bubbles out, the things in there to worship that you will worship. This is the reality of what Jesus is trying to say. From your heart comes worship. From your heart is what you worship. What is it? What is it? Some of us uh, want to worship forms. We love, this is just a personal example. Julie, I'm going to have you come on up and we're going to sing, but personal example for me. I, I went through a season where what I worshiped was a form of a, of a really specific devotional life. I just thought, if I, if I live this way and if I have this kind of um, this kind of devotional life, my Bible reading and my prayer time, and I kind of keep it a certain way, I think I'm doing fine. And what God's done over years is just dismantled that. <laughs> to say it's not about the specific form. Now, I still read my Bible and I'm still in prayer, but it doesn't always look the same way. That's been hard for me because I feel lost sometimes. It's like, oh no, is God with me? Because I'm not, it doesn't feel the same And sometimes God shakes us up and says, yeah, it doesn't have to feel the same. It doesn't matter the form. What it matters is the object. And the object, he says, is me. 
And church, as we, as we um, live our lives here on this earth, in this part of the world, in this part of the United States, may we do so not worshiping a specific form, but, but may we do so striving and working to have hearts that are clean to worship the King of Kings by the power of the Spirit in us. Amen? May this be our experience. Because I think if we lived this way, what, what might happen, what, what God might do is show us his power and his might and his glory in new ways. And we might understand who he is differently and we might see him work in the community and then we might be able to step back and say, this is all about him, it's not about me. It's about what, who he is and what he's done, which is what I would love for him to do. I'm gonna pray that he does that now. But as we go out, remember, it's, it's from our hearts that we will worship. So as we sing songs, may it not just be about our lips moving, but may it be about what our heart's singing and who we're singing to for his glory. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us, and then we'll sing. Lord, would you help us, Lord, help us to apply these things because we are those whose hearts are, uh, as Christians, hearts are cleaned, and yet we still live in a world where sin is rampant, and it's still in us. And temptation's there, and we're tempted to look at other things and to forget you sometimes, and Lord, we ask by the power of your Spirit that you would work in us and sanctify us and grow us and change us and fill us to see you again, to see you uh, more fully, to create a clean heart uh, within us and to renew a steadfast spirit within us and to bring back the joy of our salvation within us so that people who don't know you might not just be um, wondering you know, why we're just really nice people, but they may wonder, what is it that, that gives you so much joy? And may our response not just be, oh, you know, may our response, Lord, cause us to have our response be, it's the king that we worship. We pray the people we come into contact with would have heart changes. We want to ask your spirit would move in us and use us for that, Lord. Do that in us, Lord, by your, uh, by your power and for your glory. Jesus, we ask in your name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing. I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.